Thanks for tuning in. My name's Andre Servin, and you're listening to Off the Roost Podcast, brought to you by Off the Roost Custom Calls, turkey calls for the serious hunter. Join me and my co-host, Paul Murdahl, as we delve into the world of the wild turkey, covering everything from calling tips and tactics and hunting strategies to the latest equipment available, featuring interviews from special guests and custom call giveaways. We'll do our best to keep you up to date on this obsession we call turkey hunting. We appreciate you joining us. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. We hope you uh, had a happy new year, and uh, we hope that you guys have a uh, a a good spring planned out. I know I've already kind of gotten started uh, picking out where I'm going to go. Uh, Paul, how about you? Uh, plans are still up in the air. Got to wait for the Mississippi drying. Mm-hmm. And um, then after that, it's it's pretty pretty much finalized i think minnesota wisconsin and i guess the only one up in the air is missouri but we'll probably get back to missouri too yeah and so you did put in for mississippi that already happened no that's not till january coming up here okay yeah i know for january i'll be putting in for for iowa it's going to be a short trip for me uh this go around but uh well, i'm hoping to get it done lucky mommy loves you she's gonna come take care of the kid for you that's right the kid and the wife for you (laughs) yeah for sure uh a newborn and a toddler is uh especially you know around the time that the the baby will be here it'll be kind of a lot for one person to handle with the sleepless nights so it'll be nice yeah that my mom's coming out uh for that so i can you know sneak away for a couple days so that'll be good yeah, cool, cool. So who who we got coming up? We got your buddy that you met in in um the Black Hills last year. That's right. From yep from Virginia, Tyler. That's right. We got Tyler. Uh, Tyler, I met Tyler, and he had uh, his other friend who they're very good friends. Uh, Brad. Brad's a very cool guy, by the way. Um, yeah, they went out there, and. Uh, we just happened to kind of pick the same camp. It was a, uh, oh, what's the word? Uh, what's the word for a camp that's not official, but they allow you to do it? <laughs> that, well, I would have got the primitive Primitive, camping, there you go. That's what it is. It was a primitive right. campsite. Where, camping with no facilities. Yep. Yeah, it was a primitive campsite with... Uh, you know some dirt there for you to camp and an outhouse and uh i met tyler uh coming out of the bathroom at like three in the morning and uh then uh we kind of met up later on uh that day in the afternoon and uh, then we went out hunting in the evening and we were able to uh to get a bird down so uh yeah that was awesome and that was in the uh the the Wyoming Black Hills, yep. Yep, cool. So we um 
we get ready to get into this then it's been a pretty good interview yeah i think we're ready to uh to get into it so uh here we go so um to go ahead and kind of start off with it uh if you could go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself uh where you're from um you know how long you've been hunting when you started hunting gobblers and i know you mentioned like ridges and stuff you know where in uh, virginia is it that you hunt you know what's that terrain like so go ahead and break that stuff down okay yeah so my, my name is tyler roach and i'm from uh this south central virginia um we are <clears throat> located in a it's a pretty cool area because we have um we have some mountains. I mean, they're, they're not like tall mountains or nothing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we're not in the, the Rockies or anything here. But but the, the Appalachian Mountains are, are we're kind of at the foothills. So we've got rolling hills. And and you can get it. And I've gone and hunted up in the mountains uh, a lot too. But um, mostly just rural farmland, um, rolling hills, um, heavy timber, you know, a lot of timber, which a lot of that's being cut and you know we've get you got a lot of like clear cuts and you know cut over and and then that turns into like planet pine and stuff you know seeing more and more of that but we uh, got, just a lot we of got that going on too yeah 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 just a lot of ag um a lot of cattle farms a lot of you know tobacco is is yeah. a big crop here um and so you'll have like tobacco in the in the summer months and then you may have another crop like in the in the fall or you know even into the winter you yeah. know but and uh kind of kind of sounds a little bit like northern missouri okay yeah for sure yeah 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 I've, I've spent some time in missouri and yeah i would i would say it's similar to like northern missouri um let's see more like western kentucky maybe more similar right. um northern northern missouri without the access to the mountains yeah 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 we do have some mountains uh, what's the uh, what's the elevation change on uh, on those ridges where you're hunting? Like, is it are these like are they like three hundred, four hundred foot like difference from top to bottom? Is it just a hundred or fifty? No, it's probably more around like a hundred. Sometimes maybe a hundred fifty to two hundred, but it's it's more probably about a hundred foot. Yeah, so that is Paul. That is a little bit more like uh, northern Missouri there. Right. At Even least I remember it being about 50 to a hundred, you know? Right. So, uh, <laughs> when did you start hunting, man? And would you start hunting first? Yeah. Did you start deer hunting first? Uh, small game? Yeah. It had to be no, squirrels, deer and, hunting. squirrels and rabbits. Yeah. We did a lot of rabbit hunting, um, to a uh, little bit of squirrel hunting, but, mm -hmm. uh, my dad, my dad was a big deer hunter. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and at the time or when I was young, it was, uh, deer and quail. Okay. And so, uh, bird hunting, quail hunting, which we, you know, that's like the only upland bird that we have, but, um, we would do a lot of deer hunting. Um, I can remember him taking me and I mean, I'm young, three and four years old. I mean, I, he was taking me out. Yeah. And, uh, so, so I really, really had the deer hunting in my blood kind of you know early on and i think i was probably well i know uh they told me here last week that i was i was eight when i killed my first deer it was a doe okay and uh and so yeah it was just the the deer hunting was just in in my blood i mean i just yeah. i was eat up with it 
and um and we did a lot of rabbit hunting so after so as i was about 10 11 12 somewhere in that age range the uh the quail just kind of went away i mean too much you know too many predators um yeah. you, you could raise birds and turn them out and stuff but uh you know my dad he got out of that and he got a, uh, some rabbit beagles um, yeah and so we would rabbit hunt with beagles um quite a bit okay and so that you know that was kind of the other thing and then into my uh teenage years um uh, uh my cousin and i were were really close and 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 he deer hunted and I, and i did and and we would hunt together all the time and about 16 17 we both got coon dogs and we would coon hunt a lot and you know so that was always in the picture just always hunting something you know yeah. so, uh, but so never turkeys <laughs> how old are you i'm 33 yeah 33 so this would be like yeah. mid through the mid 2000s then yeah about early the yeah. mid 2000s when you were growing yeah. up yeah 2006 2007 i was probably coon hunting about that time right and, and um paul so at this point you at this point you got like 15 16 years under your belt chasing gobblers right <laughs> yeah mid 2000s yeah 15 probably okay okay I, start, I started early 90s late late 80s possibly but right around 90 1990 yeah. somewhere around there well that's when i was born so yeah <laughs> we're actually the same age tyler um oh yeah yep so, uh, all right. Yeah, man, go ahead. You're, I think you're leading into, uh, how you got into gobblers, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, my, my brother, I have a younger brother and, um, and he, he was like me, you know, deer hunted, did, we did all the, all the same stuff. Uh, but he had a, a, a older gentleman that started taking him turkey hunting mm-hmm. and, uh, and one of my brother's best friends turkey hunted and, um, you know, he, he finds turkey hunting and he's like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, he's like, you got to yeah. go with me. He's this like, is this great. is awesome. I love it already. And did yeah, he show and, up? Yeah, did he show up? And he's like, you know, deer hunting. Well, this is better. <laughs> exactly. Oh, he was like, he was like, this is this. He's like, you will not even want to deer hunt anymore. You will just want to turkey hunt. He's like, this is, this is where it's at. For sure. And I just found that just like crazy. I'm like, yeah. there's no way. And, yeah. and, 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 and and when he would tell me, I'm thinking, okay, early mornings in the spring to chase a bird, you're talking about ticks, snakes. Oh, yeah. You know, it's hot. Uh-huh. There's no way, you know. And, and then I was like of the opinion too, which is funny. I hear folks now talk about it and I'm like, okay, I used to be in that camp. Just like, it's a turkey. It's not, uh, you know, it's. It, I drive up on them all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I could go out any pasture and shoot one with a, you know, 270 at any time. You know, it's like not a big deal, you yeah. know, just, or, you know, whatever. And I've set a blind up. They'll come through the pasture then you know, shoot one with the bow. You know, it's not a big deal. And um, I have a picture somewhere. I'll maybe try to find it. But of my cousin and I that I'm telling you about, we're this, we, we shot this and I feel bad to even say it now. I mean, it was all legal, but, you know, we shoot this Jake out in this out in this field and we're just like holding it up by its feet. We don't even know how to fan it out or, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> that that was like the first turkey we killed that I'd ever killed maybe. And 
what's oh. funny i was i was actually gonna ask you about uh your first bird man so you kind of uh already went into that <laughs> well yeah yeah i actually have i don't know if you can see it over this way There's i do one see on the something on the wall it looks like it is that like caped with wings it's like, it's like, yeah, right? yeah it's like a fan and then the wings there and that's actually my first turkey that i properly awesome. killed yeah yeah was able to hold on to that keep that but yeah just to get into that so anyway my brother's like yeah you gotta go you gotta go and he just keeps pressuring me yeah and so finally one day um i'm like okay like we'll we'll go we'll go and uh, i'm at this point let's see he's 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 like 16 or 17 so i'm about 20 and um so okay we'll go so i get up one spring morning and uh i don my carhartt you know dark brown carhartt pants you know and some old um mossy oak really yellow top camouflage top you know and i take some face paint and like put it on my face yeah and this is i'm gonna you know i have no idea what i'm even getting into and we go and uh it's it's before light and he 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 knew where some birds were roosting at and so we walk out into this this field and immediately one just starts hammering on the limb and I would say almost from that moment, but maybe not quite that moment. I was, I was becoming hooked. Oh yeah. It's just hammering. And so we sneak in and get set up and, uh, and my brother, uh, begins to, to do some, some, some soft calling, some tree yelps and stuff. And he does a, he flies down, does a fly down with his hat, you know, and everything and no decoys or nothing. Just, is this all, is this all stuff he learned from that older gentleman? Cause this sounds pretty advanced for a 16 year old. <laughs> yeah. And, and he would argue that he's a better turkey hunter than I am. So he's going to say, Oh yeah, I knew what I was doing at 16. Like, you know, um, but I, I believe so. He, he learned a lot from, from this gentleman. Just was a sponge. And, That's um, good. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. How, how, how long did your brother hunt him before you decided you want to try it? This has to be he, like three, one year maybe, yeah, three, right? No, nah, he he went with the old, with the with the gentleman uh, probably three years consecutively, and okay. so he got his driver's license and started, you know, hunting them on his own and 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 stuff. So he 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 hunted them about three or four years, okay. you know, before before I ever went. But he does this fly down with his hat. This bird hammers in the tree for, you know, fifteen minutes and pitches right down, and struts directly to us. Stops at thirty yards. Let's one ha- let's one off, and uh, my brother said, "Okay, you ready?" And I said, "Yeah." And he he uh, kikied, and uh, he comes out of strut, sticks his head up, and I put the put the bead on and pull the trigger, and that was it. Uh, ran out there, got the bird, and uh, I think I left the field. If I didn't leave the field, I left the house when we got back. But I'm, I may have left the field, went to Walmart, and bought every turkey call that was on the shelf. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Cause you're like, I, I got to do this now. <laughs> oh, the next, the next morning I was out there. I had no idea what I was doing. I love uh, it. My brother couldn't go, but the next morning I was out there and I remember taking a, uh, a push button call mm-hmm. and just out there just, you know, pushing the button. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was the start of it. <clears throat> Did you get but any responses from, from that group of birds that was there? Or was that just the only time on the property or Jake? 
Um, Did you go back to the same place or completely different so we, spots? So we had we had several, I and mean, we still do. We have several farms that, that that we have. So we have you know a good relationship with several different farmers, and yeah. Um, so we have quite a bit of land that we can go on, and so I would bounce around and just um, you know try to find a bird, and I struggled. Mm-hmm. A lot, sure. a lot at first, I think, but <laughs> but I definitely I definitely was hooked mm-hmm. from that time from that time on, and um, I, I I can tell you I did call in a bird that first year. Yeah. So so that I I killed I I killed my first one um at the beginning part of the season, and by the latter part of the season I was watching. I mean I watched every video. I mean back then like YouTube and everything wasn't what it is now. So. Yeah. You know, I was going to like Walmart and buying like the Primos DVDs and uh, going to sport goods stores and finding any old DVDs and stuff that I could find. But I was watching, you know, everything that I could. Yeah. And I went in blind on this ridgetop one morning at about 11 o'clock. Um, in Virginia, most of the season, you can only hunt till 12. And I went in blind on this ridge one morning. And I just had a new pot call and I was just sitting there. Uh, my brother had tried to teach me uh, how to cut and, mm-hmm. you know, I was just sitting there practicing cutting. And as I'm doing that, one fires off in the bottom below nice. me. So I spin around the tree. I get, I get on the other side. I'm facing, facing this bird. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to call this thing. And well, he's way below me. I mean, chances of me actually calling him up this ridge probably or slim um but i just started calling to him well <clears throat> while i'm while i'm continuing to call and he's answering another one from behind me hammers and i guess he was probably coming in the whole the whole time and probably didn't hear me he hammers and he he's i can tell he's probably 50 yards behind me and i can i can start hearing the leaves right oh yeah and so he comes in from behind me and uh as he's coming he he comes out in front of me and he crosses this uh, road bed that comes up this ridge. And I steadied the bead on him and I pulled the trigger. Click. No shell. Oh. There's no shell in the action. <laughs> and uh, so I, I lose it at that point. I'm frantic. And uh, I'm pump action shotgun. I, I pump yep. it. And he's, he's running at this point, you know, and I'm fire off a warning shot never touched him but um yeah that I, so I, I can say i did i did one in that first year that's but, not uh, bad and I, th- I think and i think that ate me up even more like that really hooked me even more too like once that happened i didn't you know i didn't didn't get him you, you know that, that following him. year yeah, oh, yeah. the following it's, year it's like the pavlov's dog thing it, it, it gets you more not getting rewarded all the time gets you more hooked than getting rewarded yep. all the time Sure. That's right. So uh, I know you touched on yep. this uh, a little bit. You're not the only one. I am new uh, to this situation and I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but I know a lot of people, uh, I would say a big majority of people are in this situation here. So you have a family, a full family, married, and you have five kids. Yeah. And right. so <laughs> explain that, man. Explain, because I know for me, like for example, right now, deer season opened up on the thirteenth, I think, or the fifteenth. Yeah. Normally at this point, I 
I don't even know how many times I would have gone already. You know, it's like on my days off and then maybe even like in the morning before work. Um, but now, you know, kind of having a kid being a little bit extra busy with work at the moment. Uh, luckily, it's like deer season and not turkey season. So I'm not like kicking myself as bad. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Wait but, about uh, six months. Yeah. But uh, I've only been out twice. Yeah. And uh I know I was talking with you about this a little earlier. It seems like maybe I kind of have my my time off from work kind of surrounded around the gun season a little bit. Um, but uh, so how do you do it, man? How how do you do it? It's tough. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely tough. I mean, to, you know, to to be able to allocate the time that we would that we would like to. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh. So, so, you know, one, one thing is that, you know, hat, hats off to my wife, you know, she does a, a fantastic job and, you know, she's willing to, to let me have my time. But one thing that I would say is that, you know, is really helpful is, you know, to, she needs her time too. Right. Yeah. And, um, and she needs to be able to do the things that she wants to do. And so I try to, to, facilitate that as much as I can. Right? Yeah. If in the know, off season, right? She needs right. Yeah. Right. Right. At the at the right times, you know, hey, go you know, go do your thing. I'll watch yeah. the kids. You know. Um, you gotta 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 pay just so that there's dues. a balance. Just so that there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. does how does and she so then do that, you know, uh that, five that maybe in, how does she do five kids uh during because I know when I met you uh over in Wyoming, um you guys were that was actually the tail end of a western swing for you guys because you guys were in montana before that uh so you guys were out for what like seven days or something yeah we were gone seven days yeah. and so how'd she do five kids uh that's a and, lot uh, for seven days man <laughs> yeah it, it you know it it takes a it takes a village uh yeah um, but my 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 grandparents, my parents, you know, kind of help um, out. They were able to to help her out a lot. That's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, you know, and, and another thing, you know, like in the same vein, I'm saying, you know, um, she has a she has a beach trip that she, you know, likes to go on with with uh, some of her friends and stuff. Um, so, you know, I try to facilitate that so that you know she gets her trip, you know, yeah. away from the kids, and she can go and do and and then I'll you know, kind of have, kind of have my trip. And so yeah, that's how we've kind of struck a balance there. Um, like I said, it's, it's definitely hard at times. Um, and you know, you have to come up with like, or at least I feel like I have to come up with like kind of more creative ways of, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah. Share some of those. Yeah. Cause I think some of those are like kind of pretty beneficial for some guys. Yeah. So especially on like the deer hunting on the deer hunting side, you know, trying to like utilize trail cameras, um, like I shot, I shot that buck Sunday and I've not been hunting since. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I probably won't until I get another one on a camera and start to hone in on that one. And then maybe I'll hunt him, but actually, you know, spending time in the woods, I haven't, I haven't been back out. Yeah. Are, are you, are you using the cellular trail cameras? Yeah, it's a mixture. Um, I do use some cellular and then I have some that are, that are not. Um, what cell cameras do you have and do you like them? 
I have the uh, the Reveal mm-hmm. um, 2.0 by Tacticam, yep. and I do like them. If um, if I'm correct, I believe Tacticam's a Minnesota company. Oh, really? I okay. think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I've I I watch and I listen to a lot of different stuff out there, and and I've heard. I think I think there's I think you're going to hear good and bad things pretty much about all of them. So. Um, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But yeah. personally, I've had I've had good success success with them. Um, <clears throat> battery life has been good. Uh, trigger speeds, all that stuff. I mean, I hear it's the all one. Good. Yeah, I hear the one you have is actually the good one. That's that's the one you want to get. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of luck with them, and so I I do like those. Um, especially from a standpoint of being able to like check them, not having to go out again. You're not putting as much pressure on the deer. And then it's also easier for like someone like myself, five kids to yeah. not have to run out all the time and keep checking cameras right. and pulling cameras and all of that. And, you know, so yeah, um, that's, that's one when, thing. When, when you say they got say, de- decent battery life, what, what are you looking at? You're looking at weeks, months. Yeah. Um, it can run to the, it can so good batteries with lithium batteries um they can go multiple months i've had them to last multiple months and it really depends on like where <clears throat> you put them and, and then what your delay is and etc you know if you're in like a, a high traffic area if you're it's on a trail right you know um or a food source you know the high traffic yeah it's gonna it's gonna eat it up a lot faster but um i mean even with with that with the lithiums i mean you'll get a you probably get over a month um if it's if it's say like on a scrape on on a particular scrape and it's not as much traffic on it, I've had them last throughout a season, you know, three yeah. or four months long. So, sure. um, uh, I know for good. me, I'm sure this is most guys too. I get a ton of just like wind movement on my cameras, like leaves and all that. So, do you get a lot of that with cell cameras, or is it like only big movements, like if a deer <clears throat> walks by? Uh, maybe some of my older cameras that I have, you know, I might have some of that. But um, those Tacticams, you know, they, you, know, you may get a squirrel or, you know, a bird from time to time. But now most of the time, if it goes off, it's going to be something bigger. Um, That's good. Fox, you know, fox, a, a dog or. Yeah. For, and for reference here, I'm using, because uh, I predominantly hunt uh, public land. I'm using those uh, cheaper uh, Tasco cameras. They're about like 20, mm-hmm. 30 bucks. Cause that way, if somebody swipes that, it's like not a big deal, you know, versus the cell camera, those things are, I think, like over 100 bucks, right? Like 160 or something, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, you can get these tactic cams now for, you know, like 125 on sale, 130 ish, yeah. somewhere in there. That's not bad. But a tip, I'll give you a tip on, on that. And one thing that I like to do is actually place my cameras. Um, fairly high. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I'll take like one stick, <clears throat> so you know, stick of choice, whichever. But um, like I've got some XOP looking at right now. Yeah, um, sticks that I have. Yeah, so I'll just take one one stick and and place it on the tree, and go up. Um, you know I'm fairly tall, so it probably ends up putting the camera about ten feet, ten feet up or so, something like that. Yeah. Um. And I do that for two reasons. Uh, like I was talking about, a lot of the land that I hunt, you know, it is private, but a lot of other people hunt it. And for then sure. Also, 
I have had some some bucks to have a negative reaction to a camera that they saw. Yeah. Um, and Show you, you can actually. That's it. Well, I've seen it. You know, I, I'll set mine to record video, and you see the buck coming, and he clearly spots the camera, and immediately wheels and takes off. You know? And then that's I mean, it. and I've yeah, and I've, and, I, and you don't, and I didn't get him again. Mm-hmm. Um, in that location, um, so. I started placing my cameras uh, higher and right. kind of out of line of sight for the deer, but also out of line of sight really for, for human people. traffic as well. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I used to bow hunt up, up northern Minnesota, we used to have to put our cameras up higher just to get them out of the bears' reach. Yep. Because the bears always would come and swat them. Yeah, I've really? had some bear. I've had some bear mess with mine, and then uh, a lot of you know coons will mess with them too. You know they. See them, I play with them and stuff, but right. I just, Jeez. I've just started, I've just started putting them, just putting them higher and had better success with, you know, cameras not getting tampered with or, you know, I've had some to, you know, to be stolen. So yeah, just put them higher just seems to, to work better for everything really. And I know, I guess, uh, speaking of bears, Paul, you, you had a bear encounter this spring, right up North. You got it on video. Yeah. Yep. You come walking come walking up to me and I, I was hoping he was going to walk right he would if he would have kept on track he would have come within 10 yards of me I, I guarantee you and I was videoing him and as I was moving something fell out of my vest and hit the stock of my gun and he jumped up into a tree 20 yards away from me and you can see in the video I'm trying to lean around the tree to get a get a good shot at him and when I got a good look at him, he got a good look at me, and he jumped off the tree and, and skedaddled. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't real big; he was like two hundred pounder, but it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. I ran in, I ran into one last year too, when uh turkey hunting in Wisconsin. That's right, I remember that. You walked, almost stepped on him. <laughs> All right, he was bedded down. I walked up ten yards on him before he decided he was gonna scurry off. And uh, I think you didn't even really know he was there till he got up, right? Because he was yeah in the cr- nope. direction you were going to walk in. I, I would have walked right up to the bush he was laying in. Yeah, that's so crazy. You know, I've heard of like kind of where they'll where they'll bed, but that one's just chilling next to a bush. And you, your theory was that he also patterned the same birds you were after. Well, I was kind of wondering, but you know, I, I hunted the area again. I think. I couldn't get back to it until the next weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't he wasn't around that I seen and the turkeys weren't there neither. So Yeah. Okay, so uh I'm gonna do a little bit of uh kind of sharing uh how me and how me and Tyler met each other and then I, I actually kinda wanna break into that, the whole uh Wyoming hunt, uh yeah. and like Western tactics and all that stuff. Um yeah. So I met Tyler uh, this past turkey season uh, over in Wyoming. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was uh, on the tail end of the Western swing that him and his buddy Brad uh, were on. And they tagged out in Montana and decided they had a few days left. So they hit Wyoming. And uh, I met uh, Tyler at the bathroom at the campground at like three in the morning or something like that. And barely. And yeah, luckily we kind of hit it off. He was a really nice guy. I was actually uh, really surprised kind of with that information uh, you shared. Uh, Mainly for me, I had a friend kind of give me some waypoints. And so I went there and 
the birds. I don't have the most experience with Miriams. So you hear all these things about, oh, they gobble like crazy. They gobble like crazy. And uh, I wasn't getting that. And then I I went to go roost some birds the night before or, or trying to roost some birds. And I got a courtesy gobble out of one and it sounded really far off. And uh, I just didn't know if they were acting like Easterns and they were there and they just didn't want to talk or there weren't any there. So I just wanted to uh, ask Tyler what his experience was that the night before, if they roosted birds and how well they gobbled. And uh, he had a completely different experience than me. And uh, that was going to be, I think that was going to be their last day there. And then they were going to head out the next morning, something, something like that. And he was like, Hey, well, we'll, uh, we're going to go after these birds right now, but uh, if things don't work out, we'll let you know because we're going to be going back to Virginia. And uh, then we actually ended up going out together on an evening hunt and uh, we kind of hit it off and kind of had a good time. I I had a great time. So, um, so that's, you know, that's how, and then we've kind of kept in touch ever since. So that, that's how I know Tyler. So I, I want to break down, uh, that Wyoming hunt. Um, yeah. Um, so, so we were in the, the, uh, Wyoming black Hills and for anybody that's like, well, why'd you mention Wyoming black Hills? It's very huge. Um, I'm, we're not exactly going to be given away, uh, the actual location of it. And we weren't the only ones there. I was actually experiencing a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to know, um, what made you uh what made you pick that spot um one of the, one of the questions i have for you is what made you pick that that location because it was uh which is a good thing it wasn't exactly the the type of location that anybody would just randomly pick um cuz it wasn't it wasn't near a road you had to walk away so i guess uh yeah share so share the location that. of where the the location of where we actually found those birds at or yeah yeah what intrigued you to kind section. of be like okay cool this is this is an area to look for on the map what intrigued you to that because i know for me when i was looking for birds uh and i've covered this with paul before i mainly look look for um certain land features i'm very much like a land feature kind of guy so i'll look right. for you know uh, uh ridges that uh you know face the sun in the morning and maybe there's a water source nearby. I try to stack all of the uh, pluses of a habitat, and I try to narrow it down that way, especially in a place like the Black Hills, which is it's so vast, it's so large. Um, yeah. It can feel like looking for a needle in a haystack. So I feel I increase those odds if there's enough habitat pluses that I can stack together and okay, that's, I'm going to go spend my time there. So, um, because I know when we first got to that spot, we hung out for a few hours and didn't even really hear anything. So, um, yeah. yeah, What intrigued you to pick that location? So when we pulled in into town there and there's a little gas station there, uh, close by, we actually ran into a lot of other hunters there. Yep. And uh, we had picked we had picked that area, the, the Black Hills there, because we were we had flights out of Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, 
like two days later from the time that we got there. Um, so we, we pulled into the gas station and, and the reports that we were getting were nobody's finding birds and there's pressure everywhere. People, there's people hunting everywhere and no one's hearing anything. Nobody's finding any birds. Um, and if you do, there's like five other people trying to converge on that bird yeah. to hunt it. That's what we were told. Yeah. And so talking to Brad, we just kind of sit there in the parking lot of the, of the gas station, I think eating lunch and looking on Onyx. And I, <clears throat> I told him, I said, we, we, we've got, we've got to get away from, from everyone else. Like, I don't want to be competing with a bunch of other people and, you know, over one bird or something like that. And, and yeah, I didn't think we were really going to find much if we were going to all the same areas that everyone else was going to essentially. So, um, the section that we ended up going to and, and you went with us, you know, that, that section there was, was longer and more narrow and looking at it on, on, on X, it's smaller. That's relative because it's still a lot of acreage. I mean, it's still a big track. Yeah, but for sure. Smaller than the other section. Yeah. Right. And that helps with the so narrowing things to, down too. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I, and I told Brad, I said, let's get, let's get, let's drive back in there a ways. And then, and then let's get out. And I started looking at these ridge systems that, uh, let's get back there. Let's hike in. Let's see if we can get away from everyone else. I felt like we could get far enough back in there and far enough away that we should be able to um, to at least locate a bird. I mean, that was our initial, like the first evening. That was the the, the whole thing. Let's just see if we can locate one. Were you, were you going down a ridge line, or did you have to traverse over over a few to get to where you needed to go? Was it was it difficult to get to, or was it? No, was there was there was a trail. Yeah, there was a trail that kind of worked out kind of one ridge and there was a parallel paralleling ridge, I guess, to that one. And so across you could that hear, valley. You could hear off, yeah. And mm-hmm. you could you could stand there and you could kind of maneuver and and throw calls off either side or hear off either side too, you know. Right. Um and initially looking at it on the map, I planned that first evening to go in and pull a big loop and go down the one ridge. And or out that the spine of that ridge, and then go through the valley, and then come back and, and make a big loop. That would have been we a ginormous I mean, loop, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we never made that. It, and and so we got back in there, and we realized, okay, we're not we're not making this loop that we thought we were going to make. And and um, it was it was later in the evening, and I would say around seven or so, we were back there, and we kind of pushed back to closer to the edge of the public and there was there was a private boundary mm-hmm. um that was pretty deep in there and um several miles that we had hiked back in there and uh we're we're, we're kind of up high you know on this on the spine of this ridge and we just hear, start hearing birds just start hammering just all around us and i think we heard i would say six to seven birds that first evening that we heard back there were you calling and it felt at like the time they all kind of got no, they they just started started firing up on their own, and then we did we one was a little bit closer, and we tried to make a move on that one and, and get set up, and we actually did call it in, um, and uh, 
didn't work out and it had gotten dark. And so we were like, okay, we're going to come back in here the next morning. Um, but we, we knew we had to, we knew we won't had to be in there early and we had a big hike in. And so that's why it was like three o'clock or whatever time it was, 4 a.m. or something, you know, meeting Andre outside the, the restroom there. We were yeah. getting started early the next morning to, cause we had a, a fairly decent drive in there. But then once you park, we had a four or five mile hike to get back in there that next morning. And you know, that, that, that drive to that spot, it's like not five minutes either. It just, and I know no. what you mean, like probably when you first created that loop you wanted to do, cause it's so vast, but looking at it on your phone, it looks like, oh, well, that's just probably like a mile and a half. But then like you were saying, then you start walking it and realize that it's actually like four or five miles. And then, um, yeah. and even that, you know, that drive that we did, you're losing, I think, about like 25 minutes or something like that, just doing that drive, which doesn't sound like a whole lot. But later in the season, you're trying to get more sleep, you know, you're going to have to hike back four or five miles, and then you're going to have to slow down once you get to the spot that you want to be. So like that 25 oh, minutes, we were- you know, you're losing total of 50 minutes going back and forth, you know, but... um We'd already been pushing it hard for multiple days too in Montana, mm-hmm. you know, so we were, we were pretty, we were pretty gassed even then. And, and, and those last two days for us were our longest like hiking days. I think we had like 16 or 18 miles or something. Oh yeah. You know, that, that's why I sleep days. in the back of the suburban it saves me that 25 minutes. Yeah. I was going to say that, that would have been a much better solution. And, um, you know, if we if we had driven out, you know, I think we probably would have had a better setup for that. But we we flew out, which for, which was great for us. Um, we drove out to Montana the first year. That's three a long drive. Driving. And it was it was tough. Over thirty hours. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, and being able to hunt the same day, so you know, we get up. Oh yeah. In bed here at the house drive to the airport and then you're hunting that afternoon in Montana. That's, that's pretty cool. So that's very cool, man. Cause that would have been like maybe two days lost of the trip, just doing the drive, you know, back and forth, you know, I imagine you guys get ships or something. Yeah. Both driving out and coming back, we drove straight through. We didn't stop. Um, well, uh, driving out, we did stop in spear for sure. Uh, cause it was like sleeting. Um, and we knew we weren't going to really gain a whole lot by by making the rest of the drive that that night. So we, we did stop. But I mean, um, we would take shifts, and you know, somebody in the back would would essentially be we driving a suburban. You know, somebody in the back would would sleep while the you know the passenger up front would help keep the driver awake. And then you know we would just rotate seats and and keep doing that. And we did that for thirty plus hours. And you know, you're eating gas station food and you know you get out there and you just feel like crap to start with for sure you know you're already exhausted and then to try to hike and hunt and and do that whole thing that first year was like i said it was it was tough on us and a pretty big learning curve but yeah yeah you guys got it kind of figured out now a little bit too because i'm still on the uh like soup and peanut butter uh diet and stuff and gas station food i know you guys had like a little grill and you guys were like cooking burgers or something in camp you know yeah getting yeah, that better better fuel yeah logistically it was uh 
a lot of planning to do the flights out, you know, and flights back, you know, figuring out, you know, how, how many bags we could check and what we could bring in those check in our checked luggage versus what we could bring in our carry on and how many bags we could have in carry on and what, what could go in which bags. But once we kind of figured that out and got a pretty good handle on that and we went by Walmart and, um, and rapid city and kind of stocked up on some other stuff like the little portable grill which i mean i lost 50 bucks on that but it was worth it over the week but so you guys um, you guys just threw that away at the end of the trip right yeah yeah okay. we tried to tried to find somebody to give it to <laughs> but <laughs> couldn't find anybody so. well yeah it's kind of yeah, I mean, weird you know because you're at a gas station hey buddy you want a grill for free that's like kind of weird you know right. <laughs> most people yeah. are like no i'm good man <laughs> Why is this yeah. guy trying to give me yeah. a grill? <laughs> we were like giving away whatever you want. We had we had bought some some stuff that we just could not fit, like pillows, you know. Um, we were able to bring like our uh, our tent, you know, our um, sleeping bags and and that sort of stuff. Our um, air mattresses, yeah, for sure. Um. And and then another thing too, and it'd be cool if you could break this down. So you guys were flying back with three Miriams and you had those things in duffel bags on the plane, correct? Correct. So yeah, talk uh, to the yeah, so, taxi. Yeah, break well, yeah, go ahead and break down kind of like what you guys did for guys that are on like on, on that same situation. They fly out somewhere, they got a bird, they want to take it back home, they want to get a taxidermied. Uh how'd you guys do that? I actually thought I don't know if you guys are going to be able to do this because you guys are going to go and check it. They're going to x-ray that thing and be like, there's a bird in there. <laughs> and, and they did. Um, that, that part of the story gets pretty hilarious in my opinion. Um, but I'll just say we talked to our taxidermist beforehand. He was like, if you, you know, if, if you get one, just put it in your check bag, bring it on back. And I'm like, do what? And he was like, no, nope, you heard me right. Go ahead. Just put it in your check bag. And he gave us the whole, the whole, the whole deal on it. So what we did is we just, um, we, we tried to cool them down or we tried to find somewhere that had a freezer. Uh, okay. we were going to try to freeze them to start with, but we, we couldn't find anywhere. So we ended up just keeping them on ice and put them in trash bags and, and, and kept them on ice and kept them cool. And, um, then before we caught our flight, we just essentially added like one or two more trash bags and, and made sure that they were wrapped up and, and everything and uh, kept cool right up until the time. Like we put them in the, in the bags to take on the plane, put them in the bags and uh, just carried them right in and, and, and check, check those bags. Uh, we actually had to buy a couple extra duffel bags from Walmart when we we're about to head out because we had three turkeys to take back. So, um, yeah, just just check those. But funny, when we were going through the that process and they they set the bag back and TSA, it actually had me come and, and break down our shotguns behind the counter, which was interesting. We hadn't had to do that before, yeah. but flying back we did. And uh, so I go behind the counter and I'm I'm breaking down the shotguns and I'm looking at the bags and they go through the X-ray machine and a guy running it like stops the stops the machine. <laughs> And just starts looking at it for like five minutes. And uh, I finally <clears throat> get the shotguns done and he's still looking at the bags. I mean, I go back over to Brad. I said, this ain't going to work. I said, I don't know. I mean, they're going <laughs> to flag us or something like we're the turkeys aren't making it back. <laughs> we will, 
watch and they they finally let them on through well we go on to the through the security and um <clears throat> we're gonna you know we <clears throat> go through the whole process we take our our carry-on bags and set them on the conveyor and everything the machine you know and it, it does its deal and brad's in front of me and he steps out <clears throat> and immediately they uh they grab him by the arm and they pull him behind like the little wall or whatever it's off to the side um i go through the deal I step out, they pull me aside and, um, <laughs> I'm like, you know, what is this about? For sure. And they're like, they're like, well, um, and I'm not going to get into all the details, but they're like, your, your lower midsection, let's say has alerted. I said, dude, what? I said, yeah. I said, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do a search on you. See if we can figure out what's alerting here. And uh, so they started just grilling us about where we'd been, what we'd been doing. Ended up coming out and swabbing our hands for like explosives and all this other stuff. That's crazy, and man. Finally, they just finally they just said, "Okay, you're good to go," and they just let us go. And we had to go put our stuff back in our bags that it they had torn that all that apart and and pack everything back up. But I still think that that was. I'm laughing at saying this, but I, I think that was because of the turkeys that were in all you know three guys or two guys carrying three turkeys around it flag those guys hey you need to search these guys real quick or something like that you know for sure well that you know i can't imagine it's the first time they've seen turkey hunters come through no no as a matter of fact when we got when we landed in in rapid city we ran into some guys from um a neighboring town to us but we we knew we had some acquaintances i guess you'd say and um, they were they were they were getting back on a plane, and they had theirs in their duffel bags too. So I, I mean, it's probably pretty common. Um, right. I don't know what I don't know what happened that, that we alerted. Um, <clears throat> only thing that I could think of is potentially, you know, if it can pick up, you know, something could pick up traces of like gunpowder residue on our hands or something like that. Because obviously we've been shooting a bunch over that week or something like that, and they come out and swabbed our hands, but probably. Probably that redneck Virginia accent yeah. you got. Yeah, at the time, Brad. At the time, Brad was uh, bearded as well, and we were probably looking pretty rough coming in from a week's long um, trip in Montana and Wyoming. And, right. Hey, you know, boys. you know what I think it could have been too is because uh, this was Rapid City, and I believe like the Black Hills is a one bird limit. So you guys oh. are two guys coming back with three. They probably yeah. wanted to open those bags up and check those tags because they're like, if this is all South Dakota, like this is not yeah. allowed, you know, and they, Maybe they wanted and they, to look at that. And they very well may have done that, um, you know, after they let it on through or something like that. I, I'm not sure, but, and they did ask us about our hunt and uh, I mean, they grilled us pretty good, but um, you know, it was a, uh, it was pretty interesting. It's funny. Yeah. Um. So the other question uh, that I had for, well, actually I, I have a couple. Um, I kind of want you to break down your uh, successful hunt in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, I'm sorry, your successful hunt in Wyoming. Okay. And then uh, after that, I kind of want to close with uh, any sort of tips that you have for uh, hunting Western birds. Um, you know, you guys kind of, you know, filled your tags and, uh, you know, and I, I, just kind of want you to share uh, a little bit of tips for the listeners. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that you meant Montana. I think you said Wyoming, but, uh, about our successful trip to Montana or the, the success, the success we had in Montana. 
Um, well, I was uh, mainly referring to uh, uh, the hunt that we were on together. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will say. Um, but you could sprinkle some Montana on there as well. Yeah. I think for I think for the success that we had was, and especially like in Montana, we and I would I would encourage uh, anyone going out out there to hunt to 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 take the time to drive around some, find access, you know, find different places that you can go in or access, and just kind of scout from the road if you can. Um, some of the different public areas that you may be hunting because the first year that we went out, we had one piece of public in mind and we dove straight into there. We started hiking immediately. We started just covering ground and we did find birds. We got on birds there, but this, this year we had a much different experience in that it was raining the first couple of days that we got out. And so we spent the first day, a day and a half really just driving around looking at where other hunters were, where the other hunting pressure was, looking at different pieces of the public, not just one in particular, but several different tracks. Um, and we found birds from the road, um, just doing that. Found birds from the road that were on public and on private. Uh, did some door knocking. Um, the birds that we got were actually on public, but we hunted some private out there too. Um, just birds that we had seen and, and went up and knocked on the door. Hey, you know, think we could hunt out here? Yeah, come on. They had no problem with it. And, um, so that, that was one, one takeaway from that is, you know, I know our first year out, we were super anxious just to get in there and start hunting and, and covering ground and, and all of that. But I think if you spend a little bit of time, especially at first to learn the area, you know, find access, different, different ways to maybe access a particular piece of public. And then also, you know, just kind of scouting from the road, essentially, you know, other hunting pressure and finding birds potentially that way. That was a big Great. help. It sure. looks, um, looks a lot, di it looks a lot different on, on X than it does. You know, it's nice to get in the area and look around and see what you're actually, what you're actually dealing with, what the actual habitat and stuff looks like. I, I, I can see where that would work out pretty good. Yeah. The, the first year we went out, I mean, we literally drove right up in, and, and we didn't know at the time. I mean, we were still struggling that first year to know, okay, can, you know, the difference between like the, the block land management areas and then versus like national forest areas and then where we could access, where we couldn't access. Do we pull off this road? Do we, can we not pull off this? Yeah. Like, I mean, we just didn't know anything. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, landlocked uh, public out there, too, and it could be a little confusing sometimes because it can almost look like you can access it. But right. out west, they could be a little bit weird about uh, what is it called, the airspace or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, and I believe I know there was an article that was shared where I think some elk hunters, they got taken to court because they set up a ladder. It was one of those things where the public met at the the corners mm -hmm. but then the other corners were private so they took a ladder i've heard to go about that. over it yeah and they yeah. climbed it and and then the the landowner came out got super mad tried taking them to court and uh and they, they won uh the guys hunting the public land won that case yeah which is cool but that's one thing you do have to be concerned about when you go out west is uh some of those weird little things like that you never know if the person on on the private might be, get kind of weird about it 
yeah. So I would say take take the time to to learn the area, uh, to look at you know different pieces, to look at other hunting pressure, um, you know, and and that that really helped us a lot, helped us out a lot in Wyoming as well, is, you know, when when we went into that track that we were that we hunted, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the first even driving in, you know, at, at the first mile or two driving in there, you know, you saw other vehicles. Um, and then as you got further back, you kind of got away from, you know, seeing the other vehicles and then even the tire tracks. And I can remember when we walked that trail out that first evening, looking, <clears throat> looking at the trail and, you know, there being boot tracks the first mile and then the second mile boot tracks. And then the third mile, not so many boot tracks. And then like the fourth mile, you know, one, one old track or something like that, you know, you just kind of like started to piece it together. Okay. Nobody's coming back here. Right. And just distance is the barrier instead of like a steep, steep bridge line or steep steep hill or something using distance as the barrier. Yeah. That's, that's correct. I know even when I was out, cause I went out the next morning because we roosted birds. Uh, and I, you know, I realized too, um, because I, I went to go look at the land after nothing happened. I sat there for like an hour or something and I didn't hear anything. And I went and I took a peek. And so there was never anything roosted there. Uh, how it was where we kind of got that one bird is so there was the tree line and it almost looked like the 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 tip, the point of the ridge. Uh-huh. But there was actually... Once that dropped off by maybe like 10 feet or something like that, there was like a big bench and it was like almost like, like, I think it was maybe a a trail because it looked kind of manicured a little bit. And uh, so the birds were traveling from wherever they were traveling from and they were using that trail. And then that, that's how the bird that you got, it heard the calling and it veered off that trail and it went up that way uh, where we ended up getting it. Um, there was a fence that the typical three wire fence along right. the whole uh, property boundary. Right. And I think potentially that one uh, little finger ridge that bird came up, there must've been a little break in the fence right in that area. But um the birds that we were calling to uh, after you harvested yours, uh, they were on that little trail and it, it sounded like they were roosting off of that point, but they weren't, they were just gobbling there. And then I have no clue where those birds ran off to because it was getting pretty late when we were hearing them still responding back to us and before they went quiet, but I went and I took a peek, man, and they must've covered shoot man like four or five hundred yards from that point to where it could potentially be the next roosting option um but uh yeah they were uh they were on that like this little little bench out there uh on the uh right. property boundary so yeah and one thing i would say too as a tip and kind of something we've we've all talked about already but that looking at on x you know and you've you've you have you you see these public tracks right or blocks 
you know, out there everything's in blocks. But you see you see these these public tracks and it there there may be one that looks small and it still be like six hundred acres, right? And we hunted um Brad actually missed a bird in Montana. He, he his 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 shotgun barrel was bent. I've never seen anything like it, but I call That's this right. bird I call this bird off the roost one morning. Uh, we'd actually hunted him right up until he flew up. And then he's roosted about 50 yards directly out in front of me. And uh, we just let it get dark and we crawled back out. And uh, it was right in behind where we were, our campsite, where we were camping at. And uh, only about 400 yards from the tent or something like that. And uh, this, this one block is... I don't know. I mean, as I remember it, it's like maybe it was like two blocks and it was like 600 or 700 acres, something like that. And there were three or four birds in that, just in that area. And if you're looking at Onyx and you're looking at all this vast, you know, all these, all this, you know, 200,000 acre, 100,000 acre tracks of public land. And you're like, oh, you know, everyone else is seeing that. And, you know, those places are just getting hit and flooded with pressure and stuff. And I think a lot of times these smaller little tracks are probably overlooked and probably have most of them. I mean, if it has, if it's the right habitat, you know, they probably all will hold, you know, at least several times. And, and we had a lot of, a lot of success just in that smaller area right there behind the campsite or campground there. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and, I agree uh, with so that. That's, that's another yeah. thing is like just looking at those like little small areas or looking at the areas that <clears throat> like in Wyoming, you know, there was that much larger track that had, you know, multiple roads all through it. And that seemed to be where everyone else was going. And then the smaller track that we kind of went into, which still I say small, it's relative and still right. quite a bit of land. Absolutely. Right. You know, th- yeah, there were, there were some other people in there, but, and we did have to go kind of far and get back away from everyone but once we did that we really found the birds back there um so that's another for sure i guess and i know uh you guys had you told me you were telling me about this out there most of your success with miriam's comes in the evening not the mornings right every miriam's that i've killed so far has been in the evening now brad got his mid-morning uh and Mm. we were up on a high point glassing and his comes through following a hen it probably, I mean, it was a long ways. Um, I don't even know how we saw it really just other than through the binoculars, but anyway, it works behind a, uh, a knob and we, you know, it, it comes around the right-hand side and we came down and through this valley and came on the left-hand side and kind of met as they were coming through a saddle and, uh, and he gave, got his in the morning, but I've had much better success with, and especially with calling, um, yelping up as some would say you know calling Miriam's in um, I, I've had a lot more success with that in the evenings as opposed to in the mornings um now they're busy in the morning you know hopefully in the yeah, evening I mean, they seem the, to, the hens to, have kind of drifted off yeah I mean my experience with them is in the mornings they um get with the hens pretty quick and they also seem to have an area that they want to get to and I feel like if you're kind of if you're not not if you're not between where they're roosted at and and that spot that they're trying to get to, you know they'll sit there and gobble as they walk away. I mean, yeah, they're, they're not coming to you, you know. Um, that's kind of much uh, different, you know. Yeah, that's kind of Paul's technique, man. He his whole thing is finding that spot, 
and getting to that spot. That's how he kind of goes about it. It's much different than, um, than like here in Virginia, you know, um, we have so much, uh, hardwood forest or even in the pines, um, but much thicker vegetation, you know, between, you know, us and, and us and the birds. So even if they're on the ground and even if they have hints, generally I try and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty aggressive. Uh, my brother is, um, not as aggressive as I am. Um, and he'll kill birds that I want because he's much more patient and he's not as aggressive. I'm like, I'm either going to bump them or I'm going to kill them. Like I'm going to get in there as tight as I can to them. I'm going to use every piece of, I'm going to use every shrub, tree, pine, cedar, crawl, and I'm going to get in as tight as I possibly can. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to call to them. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of success like that. Uh, definitely I'll bump birds from time to time and, uh, it's just kind of the nature of it, but that's just my style. Um, and, and, you know, our hunts in Montana and Wyoming, um, have been much different than that because you, you use terrain to your advantage. Definitely. Um, topography to your advantage. Definitely. Um, but even in the timbered areas, you know, it's so open that you can't really move in a lot. No. So other than well, using I, topography. You, you... From from what I understand, I, I, I don't have any experience hunting them, but they're probably generally on the move anyways, is from what I hear they're not. Just kind of hanging out in one area, allowing you to sneak in and get close to them, I would imagine that often. Brad and I follow two toms and a number of hens, um, nearly two miles one day, just trying to keep up. And we would, they would, they would crest over, you know, I'm going to call it a, a hill or a ridge. They would crest that and we would as quickly as we could try to get up to that. And by the time we would crest that and crawl up over or call to try to locate, they would be the next ridge system over. Right. By the time yeah. we could get there, and we continued to we can we continued to do that, and we were just staying behind them, and they would answer, they would respond, they would not commit to turning or coming. I mean, they were they had the direction that they wanted to go, and uh, I don't think unless you're in front of them, um, I don't think you're going to do anything with them. Um, we went out to Montana the first year thinking we're going to go out there, and I mean, not to sound arrogant, we have had a lot of success, all three of us. Uh, my brother, Brad, myself, and killing Easterns in this area. Okay, so um, we thought, oh, we're going to go out to Montana. We're going to get on some of these Merriams. And we'd heard a lot of good stuff. They gobble all the time, kind of think you, you mentioned that, Andre. Um, yeah. They gobble all and the that, time. And that they're they'll dumb. Come, they'll come running. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're dumb. They'll come running in, you know. We did not have that experience at all. I mean, no way. we... Uh, Kind of the kind of the opposite of that, really. Um, that, that's that's probably and, and I had to learn how to hunt them, really. That's probably Agreed. probably experience that's relegated to guys that are hunting the private property. I could see that, right? Yeah, and, and that could be. Yeah, if you got like a private property that no one hunts, right, or a lease, or you got an outfitter or something that's got private property locked up. Yeah, or or anybody who lives like uh. Like I know South Dakota has like a 
the prairie units, you know, a prairie unit. And if you have birds on your unit uh, and you set out some decoys and stuff, I'm sure they'll run right on in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've talked to some other guys that hunted really near where we were at in Wyoming. And they, um, they'll use the, um, like a strutter decoy and just get behind it, yeah. you know, and, and walk in and shake, shake it and stuff. And, you know, I've, I've heard of that and, and they had success out there doing that. But I mean, for us, um, I don't know. Like I, I, I love hunting out West. Like, I mean, I, I think I'll, I'll do it every year that I can for as long as I can. Um, I still want Texas and, you know, shoot a Rio and I'd like to go to, you know, Florida and get Osceola. But I mean, it's something about like Montana, Wyoming, the Dakotas, you know, that just is, it just draws me, you know, and I'm like, I just want to go out there and, and, and hunt all the time. Um, no. Yeah. It's still, but it's still, pre- it's still pretty wild in, in that area out there and in, in a lot of the areas out yeah, there. It is. Yeah. It really I, is. And yeah, and I agree using about the terrain too, to like, yeah. Seeing the Ponderosa pines and all that. I do agree about, about that because like, I know for me, I went once, which was that, f- that first time. And then, I was just like dying to go back again. And for me, I, I know uh, 2024 spring is going to be a little bit weird for me. I'm not going to be able to uh, go out there because uh, we have another baby due. Um, so that's going to kind of uh, mess with my time a little bit. But 2025, I'm I'm definitely, I kind of have a loop that I, I, I kind of like to do, which is uh, the upper Midwest. If I could swing Missouri, I'll do it. But I think I'm always going to include one trip out to either South Dakota or Wyoming um, every turkey season. You know, it's, I just, I got to go out there for a right. little bit and make my attempt. And it's a, uh, it's a little, cl- little closer drive for you than it is for Tyler though. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, think, definitely. you know, depending on where I go, it could be eight to 10 hours and versus 30 for him, you know? Right. Yeah. And I would say like, for anyone going out to, you know, especially guys that are, that are used to hunting Easterns and, and, and the more forested, you know, densely forested areas, you know, I, my tip for that would be, you know, you know, try to locate birds and try to move using the topography um, of the land and find a direction of travel that those birds are already traveling in. And essentially you, you would want to, uh, cut them off now you know a lot of guys would call that thing an ambush style um but you're still gonna have to you're still gonna have to do some calling you know you're still gonna have to call them in you know to pull i mean unless you just luck up and maybe you know you get in one spot where they're just coming right through but i mean i think for the most part what we've seen is finding a direction of travel getting in front of them and trying to you know essentially cut that off and then as they near you know you can start to call and you know we have had success and had them come on in you know doing that operating in that way i do think not only cutting them off but you do have to like also like maneuver around them as well because they could be they could be 80 yards because that that uh that morning that well the morning that you got your bird i was in a different spot and i had a couple birds off the roost um one was maybe he was maybe like 80 yards over the crest of the ridge and I was on the top and 
which it was like a perfect setup for him to kind of come on in. But he had his direction that he wanted to go in and he gave me his courtesy right. gobble. So that's just the thing. Getting in front of them is sometimes not just enough. You also have to kind of maneuver around them because they could gobble to you. It doesn't mean that they're going to come, you know, versus an Eastern. I right. feel if you close that distance with an Eastern and call to him, if he gobbles at you, there's it's more an indication that he's going to show up, you know. Miriam's just like, what's up? Yeah, I really, look, I really, I really try to get within like a hundred yards of an Eastern if I can, you know, sometimes you can't, but like, if I can get within a hundred yards, most of the time I can, I can get him because if, if you, if you can pull him 50 yards, even if he has hands, if you can pull him 50 yards, if he cuts half that distance, you know, he's almost in range for some folks, you know, we'll take a 50 yard shot, but I mean, you know, if you can get him to, to come sick, okay, and now he's at 40, you know, standing in front of you, you know. Right. And, and like you, you say, you can get him. And if, if he's got hands with them, ch- chances are he's probably not the only gobbler around. So there's yeah. probably one or two and others other- local nearby that you might have a good chance of calling in too. Yep. Yeah. Another thing is with, with the, the, the tensor you know, vegetation that we have. And I'm, I feel like it's probably similar for, for you all. I, I don't know, but you know, um, there's so much that, that he can't see through as he's coming. Right. So I will intentionally set up in a, in a spot where he can't really see me until he, until he breaks that, you know, within range. Um, so that, and, and, I, and, you know, a lot of guys use decoys. I don't use any decoys. I, I want him to come searching for that hand. Right. And, um, yeah. and I'll try to try to manipulate his movement with, you know, throwing a call one direction behind me or the other direction or whatever to get him to come. And I'll, I'll, I use, uh, I'll scratch in the leaves a lot too. And if I'm behind cover that he has to break that cover. And as soon as he does, he's in range. Um, that works well for me a lot of times because you get him answering you and then he's interested enough that he has to come and check you out. And, you know, if he could see you at, a, if he could see at a hundred yards that there's nothing there, he's just going to hang up, get back to his other hands sure. or, or whatever. But if, but if you're on some stuff and he can't see, and, um, a right. lot of times that'll, that'll get when you're talking cover, you're talking, you're talking pretty much directly right in front of where you're going to sit down and set up. Yeah. Or, or within like 40 or 50 yards of me so that if he has to come to the other side of that to be able to see where that hen is and that and is me. But, you know, if he has to, to, to come to the other side of that to see where that call is coming from, then he's, he's, he's in range at that point, right. you know. I, 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 I hear where you're coming from, but I'll, I'll try to, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the cover directly in front of you. But as far as 40, 50 yards out, I, I don't like that for myself personally. I'd rather have it behind me cover behind me so i got something to break my outline up but i don't like it out mm-hmm. that far if i can help it because i find yeah. a lot of a lot of easterns will be pulled up and they'll be peeking at you through that cover and you won't even you won't even know they're there yeah and i, I actually got on what it is too i actually got busted this spring i had a downfall dead tree out in front of me about 40 yards and I had been working this bird for a good two hours and there was actually a couple couple gobblers down there and one finally come up and 
the only reason I knew he was behind that deadfall is because a hand had come up behind me and made a noise and I turned my head to look and I heard and all the goblin and everything else that I had going on that morning, everything just stopped. And it was right from behind that deadfall. <laughs> he, he was yeah. up there behind there and he was peeking at me and I didn't even know he was there. I mean, where, where we're at here, you, there's not many places in the spring that you're going to have 40 or 50 yard area that, that there's not a lot of cover. Right. So, right. you know, if I'm looking at an, if I'm looking at an opening, okay, if I find a 40 or 50 yard opening, you know, I kind of need that anyway, able to maneuver to, to, to get a shot. And that may be the only spot that I really can call them into. Um, right. Because we, the rest of it's going to be, I mean, I mean, there's, it's a lot of our creek bottoms are just crazy thick, you know. Right. We get, we get um, into some pretty really thick, walk we get some pretty thick cover areas that we hunt up here. And I, you know, in a lot of areas, you don't, it's just little patches you can see, you know, that far out where, right. you know, a shooting lane here and right. shooting lane there and shooting lane there. Yeah. And then there's, and then there's other places, you know, where it's, you can see a hundred yards. It's nice hardwood bottom or a hardwood ridge line or a bench on the ridge line where you can see it's pretty open and you can see for quite a bit. So I, I guess I guess I guess it depend on the area you're hunting as, as far as where I'd like the cover, but if I can help it, I'd rather yeah, we, have I'd rather have it behind me. Yeah, I mean, and we, you know, we definitely try to be conscientious of you know having having cover behind us too to break us up. Um, you know, generally, you know, you you can. Uh, and this is one thing that I normally look for too is a, a shaded side of a, of a, of a large creek so that my shoulder line is not uh, exposed and then also in that shadow if I'm sitting in that shadow you know you, you get tucked away pretty good there um, and I look for look for that setting up if I can if I can help it yeah that in the direct lighting situation that shadow side can be it could be gold man um i know two years ago i had a whole flock come in to my calling and uh it was maybe i think it was like the boss tom like three four jakes and like three four hens and they all came in to like 20 yards or something like that. And they hung out for about 20 minutes before I was able to get a, a shot opportunity. Uh, and from, I was actually, I had no choice, but to kind of sit in the direction that the sun was uh, pointing to. But um, the, uh, the brim of my hat was casting a, a shadow over my face that made it almost like very difficult from the contrast of the bright light and then the the shadow over my face for the birds to see it. And I think that's kind of what helped me be 20 yards from these birds for about 20 minutes without them running off, you know, was kind of utilizing that, the, the shadows. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. uh, so we have definitely kind of gone over, uh, the time and this might have to be another, uh, mm -hmm. two part episode, which is, uh, which is okay. Um, 
but uh tyler it was great having you on start, and i'm start and, talking start talking talking turkey it's hard to stop uh, right yeah, absolutely well, well we'll have to get him back on in the spring when the yeah, season's absolutely the season starts up yeah and hopefully yeah. maybe we can get brad on i know he's kind of got some stuff going on right now but hopefully we could get uh get brad on too um or maybe yeah, we can talk uh, to him and i know that he yeah i talked to him i know he's uh he, he's wishing that he could be on i know he wants to uh, i know he would would love to sit here and talk with you too but yeah he's he's uh going through that academy right now so yeah probably but in the spring he'll be he'll be available so he, he should be awesome. out of that and freed up and i think we're gonna i think we're planning another trip to uh at least i don't know where we're back to montana probably again but uh we'll, we'll be back out west this spring too so awesome but yeah we'll probably have before, to get a, a recap on that too before we before we get cut out of here why don't you give another plug on your your youtube channel yeah so it's uh you can watch the videos that I've that I've uploaded from our trip to Montana, and then there's it's a two part deal uh, with Montana and then Wyoming being the, the second part to that. And uh, I'll just say I don't know Paul if, if Andre told you, but I'm I'm going to say it right now. A, a big thanks to Andre, um, that bird that I killed in Wyoming because we Andre and I are both sitting on the same tree, and the bird comes out on the side which is the side that andre was on and he's right down andre's barrel right and uh and he lets and he he, he saves it for me he says you know no, you guys yeah, found him you use yours ahead. man and uh and i would have been totally fine like i wanted to back there with us i would have been totally fine if you shot him but you know but i also wasn't going to pass that opportunity so uh it was a cool experience and hey. um i just you know i love the way that uh I love the way the good Lord works in situations and, and, and puts people together um, like this that yeah. you know, can share and, 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 and something that we're so passionate about and also just and, and in life too, you know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's cool sure. to, to have friends and that you can ask questions about like, how do you do it with five kids? What do I need to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and stuff, but. I you know I don't have I, I have never had that experience because I don't have any. Yeah. Yeah. Um it'll make you pull your hair out for sure, but um but there's nothing like <laughs> I, it. Um I, wa- my, my I watched, oldest I watched all my friends growing up from high school and stuff go through the exact same thing you guys are. Yeah. And I guess I, I was too selfish with my hunting and fishing that I, I wanted all of it for myself. I'll say that my oldest And I think son, about um, I think about that all the time, by the way, Paul. Every time I'm thinking about going out there, but I can't. I'm like, man, Paul can go whenever he wants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, I just gotta yeah. peel myself away from work is all. Yeah. Well, my my oldest son got his first his first deer um about two weeks ago now. It was a week before I, I got mine. How we shot our he? books exactly a week up. That's he's awesome. Six. He's, he's six. six. And I'll tell you, yeah. And uh, I'll tell you that 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 nice buck that I shot. I was I was much more excited the day that Owen, uh, which is my oldest, got his than I was when I shot that that nice buck that I'd been hunting for two years. Sure. And so yeah. just that experience of of being out there. And I had I had actually my oldest two boys. I have three sons, but my oldest two 
we, the three of us were together for that hunt for Owen. And uh, that whole experience was just so cool. So that's one thing, you know, I will say I'm super looking forward to in years to come is just they're, they're passionate about it too. Um, they love, they love hunting and um, turkey hunting and deer hunting and, you know, they're, they're into it. They love it. And um, so, so being able to experience that with, with them in the, in the coming years, I think right. it's just going to be fantastic right now it'll make you want to pull your hair out sometimes but you know there's moments well, like that that just make the, make it all worth it so they'll yeah. still probably make you want to pull your hair out when they get older too but at least you'll have to be able to go sure. and stuff with them uh tyler sure. in your in your opinion it, things are a little bit more difficult when they're younger right because they're so like yeah. they're so hands-on they can't do anything for themselves it's like you sure. have to take care of them the entire day versus when they're yeah. older they there's other things they could do, but so it's, it is, are the, the earlier years yeah. kind of the more difficult time? Yeah, they're more, they're more time intensive. Right. So like I had less time, you know, especially like when with, with newborns and, and when they're, when they're younger, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it takes up more time at that point. And then now I just take them with me. Like I'll go scouting and, and put right. trail cameras and I've got, I've got a whole, army of them just following me you know you're and, like um, the, pied, the pied piper yeah they're, they're 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 just following me trekking through the woods you know you know uh getting stuck by briars and you know crying about it and then you know i'm like you know take the briar off of them and they you know they just keep trucking along but you know and i'm i'm making them walk a fair distance back there to put this trail camera out but all that being said they you know like they have now established that, you know, they, they love it. Now, now they want to, you know, at first they, you know, maybe not want to so much. Oh, are we out here? Briar sticking me, et cetera. But like, now they just love it. They're like, Oh, let's go put a trail camera out. Let's go ride around and look for deer. Let's go ride around for turkeys or, you know, and like, and that's one thing that in the spring, you know, I'll just ride around in the vehicle with them and, you know, roost birds in the evening or, you know, right around one morning and on Saturday morning before season comes in and just spot birds, you know, here, there, or yonder, or, you know, get somewhere where I can throw a call out and see if anything responds. And, you know, they tag along for all that stuff. And so, yeah, it is tough. You know, you have to load, load three boys up to go do anything, but at the same time, they really enjoy it, gets them into the outdoors and, uh, yeah. and it still lets me go do it too. So for sure. Well, it's quality time with their dad and not a lot of kids get that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It was a shame, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for those opportunities. Yeah. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's, sometimes it's very difficult, but, um, but, but it's all, it's all worth it. So. And Paul, you still hunt with your dad up to this day, right? Right. And those are probably my funnest hunts is when, yeah. when we call one in for him and he gets, he gets so excited and he's always, <laughs> he's always doing crazy stuff. Called a, called a, a Jake and a two-year-old in for him one, one, one time. And, um, he ended up shooting the Jake. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was in strut. So he shot the yeah. one with its head up. Oh. I was like, Oh man, Dwayne. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, fellas. Well, I appreciate the time. Uh, so yeah, with that said, Tyler, appreciate you being on here. We're gonna have to get you on again. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, for sure. 
And uh, until next time, we'll see you on the other episode, folks. Yep. Take it easy, Tyler.